Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts after a two-week summer vacation, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter, as we talk to you about the MLB, the NBA, the NHL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 179. Today, I want to start off the episode kind of like I always do, talking about something completely random. This is specifically about the U.S. Patent uh, and Trademark Office. This is a trademark request that was filed and published like a month ago. So I'm probably behind on the times. You all might have even heard about this before. But a certain entity um, from a certain Midwestern state has filed and been granted a trademark for the word the... Um, specifically a standard character claim, which is apparently a mark that can, consists of standard characters without any claim to our particular font style, size, or color, uh, to be used on clothing, namely t-shirts, baseball caps, and hats, all of the foregoing being promoted, distributed, and sold through channels customary to the field of sports and collegiate athletics. Yes, you may have guessed it, Ohio State University has a trademark on the word the. I don't know if y'all knew that. I found that to be very interesting. But only in the context of the Ohio State University, right? Like, we don't have to pay them every time we use the word the in this episode? No, but we can't print a shirt that just says the word the on it. Or, like, a collegiate something, right? Like, Iowa State can't go have the word the in, like, big bold letters and then, like, Iowa State University underneath it or anything. Well, that's where you're wrong. We can print a shirt that says the. You can't print one that says the... If it's the uh, if it's the Iowa State, we're probably fine. But it's the same spelling. I feel like that would still trip <laughs> up. Like, like they'd be like, "No, that's our trademark." Because technically, they're right. the The registration number, if you want to look this up yourself, is six seven six three one one eight. It was first applied for like back in twenty nineteen, August twelfth, twenty nineteen, and was finally published um, June twenty first of twenty twenty. So six days ago, as of the time we're recording this episode. That's just bonkers to me. I don't know. It's kind of like um, there was like a YouTube channel what years ago that was trying to uh, trademark the use of reacting to, to to videos, right? This to me seems like the exact same thing, but somehow they actually got a trademark to the word the. Yeah, a couple of years ago, LeBron tried to trademark Taco Tuesday, and they were like, "You can't trademark Taco Tuesday. It's been a thing forever." So I don't know how that is different than what you know this the university over there did, but. It seems strange. What if I made a shirt that said the Iowa State University but had two E's? T-H-E-E. -E. You should be good there. I would say that you're probably you do that? I'm not a lawyer, so. I, I would know. think that you're good, but if, if, it be, if it got to the point where your t-shirt was selling a ton, they might try and go after you. I mean, um, Iowa State would go after me because I'd be in violation of that trademark. Right. So we just need to right. change the name of the podcast to the 8311 cast. Well, I'm actually thinking if we make our own shirts that say the, right, and the 8311 cast in small print underneath it, I think we would be fine because part of like the goods and services portion of this trademark is that it's distributed and sold through channels customary to the field of sports and college athletics. Mm. We're not, I mean, like... We're we talk about it, Jason. Yeah, we talk about it, but we're not like and college athletics. Nor by sports, nor right? by any means are we athletics. Like, <laughs> no. I mean, hey, speak right. for yourself. I'm mildly athletic. I would at least like to think that I still am, but <laughs> I, I've just I've I've realized I'm not. I've accepted it at this point. I just sprained my ankle walking up some stairs of last week, so I definitely <laughs> I, I definitely am not. <laughs> I just wanted to keep you all informed that Ohio State is still very annoying to me. Um, I refuse to pronounce the word the with the two E's. I mean, that is, I don't know what the correct dictionary pronunciation is, but. Oh, okay. So let's go on another tangent then. The, you're supposed <laughs> to say the when it's the word the with the next word after it starting with a vowel, which makes sense. But I've never heard anybody call like Iowa State. The Iowa State. Maybe, maybe I have, I suppose, but it, we don't enforce that, right? You could say like the, the Iowa State University football team, right? You would say the. We could also say the, but we're not going to go hound you and say no. You have to say the. 
That's what I really didn't realize pronunciations of words could change based on what word is after them. Welcome to English. That's interesting. Horrible. English is a weird language. Horrible. Huh. Interesting. You guys want to, Double you guys want to talk about sports? Yeah, let's do that. This is sports right, adjacent. We'll, we'll scoot along. It is. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we will We will talk about actual sports. Before we get into the results of the uh, NBA finals and Stanley Cup finals, um, we want to talk about baseball as we are uh, deep into the season. We're actually approaching the halfway point of the baseball season here pretty quick, believe it or not. I mean, most teams have played um, in the neighborhood of 75 games at this point. Um, so, you know, we're approaching half the halfway point. Um, and we had... Uh, Two first um, this last week that we want to talk about right away. One is a first for this year, and one is a first of all time. Kyle, do you want to take the first first here? Yeah. So the the first first of this year opens up uh, the what should be an interesting next five weeks um, prior to the trade deadline happening in Major League Baseball. Um, the Royals got got it going um, when they managed to salvage some value out of Carlos Santana. Now, I say that because ever since the Royals brought Carlos Santana in, he has drastically underperformed. Now he's he's old. I mean, let's not let's not put it put it past him. He he was good at one point in his career, very good, but then coming to Kansas City it just it never quite worked. Um and he was in a serious slump. As of late, though, he's been he started the season batting almost a hundred. Uh, he has over his past, I believe, month he's batting around two seventy five. So he's doing better. So the Royals jumped on it as soon as they could. Uh, in return, uh, well, they sent four point three million dollars along with him because of how vastly overpaid he was. Uh, but got right-handers Wyatt Mills and William Fleming on Monday. Uh, Wyatt Mills was immediately optioned to AAA. He could be in the big leagues at some point this season. Um, Fleming was optioned to uh, high A ball, um, but it did clear the way for the Royals' number three prospect in their farm system, first baseman Vinny Pasquantino, uh, who has been raking in the minor leagues. So, the Royals were adamant that they wouldn't bring him up until he had 500 career at-bats in the minor leagues. Well, he has eclipsed 553 minor league at-bats, so this was his time to be called up. Uh, and he will make his debut with the team on Monday, June 27th. So there's your first big trade of the season. Scale of 1 to 10, how, how happy are you with it, Kyle? Uh... I don't know much about the prospects in return and evaluating it. I think Wyatt Mills uh, was a pretty good return. I mean, you you can never have too much relief pitching and relief pitching prospects. Uh, William Fleming's obviously a long shot, so it's hard to evaluate that. But I think it's good to get the kids up right now. Um, Team is horrible. Get them up. Get them some playing time. There's absolutely zero competition for... You know, the playoffs, you're not even thinking about that here. You're thinking about trying to get the prospects back in return for some of the veteran players, as well as getting playing time for the future of the team now. And Santana is on an expiring contract, correct? Correct. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. So the I, Royals had to send $4.3 million to uh, with him as a part of the guaranteed money that he was owed, um, with Seattle paying the remainder $1.5 million um of of his contract for the season yeah i'm of the opinion that a team that's out of contention can never lose a trade when they trade a lento an expiring contract so there is no such thing as a loss it doesn't matter what he does the rest of the year it wasn't going to help get the royals to the playoffs so this is a win they already won the trade in my opinion so it's not also it's not my money so i don't really care how much money they sent so, <laughs> um, the oh, other fo- well, so hold on, I'll go back and answer Arian first. At, on a scale of ten, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a solid eight. I, I was like, get what good. you can out of him. I'm like, hey, we got two prospects. Great, send four point three million dollars out the door. Who cares? Oh well, just print some more. Yeah, you know? I'm. I agree. Trading money. I don't care if people trade money. That's fine. Now, international bonus pool money 
that would be different because, you know, there's actually a limited amount of that. But anyway, that's a whole nother discussion that gets really complicated really fast. So I won't get into that. Um, anything else on, on, on the first uh, major trade of this season, Kyle? No, that's it. This is a success. So what was, what was the other first ever in Major League Baseball, Mike? So this uh, news broke on uh, Sunday uh, early evening, we'll say. But, uh, Twins pitching coach... Wes Johnson, and it was announced, became the first ever coach to leave a major league team for a college team in the middle of the season. So Wes Johnson um, originally was the pitching coach at um, the University of Arkansas, um, and he was the first ever coach to be hired directly from college to the major leagues when the Twins hired him in 2019. Um, and then he became the first coach to do the opposite in the middle of a season um, when he left the Twins to go be the pitching coach at LSU. Um, it's effective um, coming up at the end of the day on Thursday. Um, he'll, he's staying for this, this uh, five-game series against Cleveland and then will um, we'll leave after that. I'm... I was very surprised when I saw this move. I mean, you see coaches get fired, but you don't... When was the last time you just saw an MLB coach just leave in the middle of the year for, for any reason? Well, and also there's the fact that he didn't go to become the head coach either. That's what, that's what threw me off. When I saw the headline, I thought that's what it was. And then it said he just left for the same position at college. And I'm like, so he either got in trouble, is about to get in trouble, or they offered him a ridiculous amount of money, which... It looks like he got a raise, but that has to be a lot or of money. Maybe I would he think. just wants to be in the college game scene and hates all the major league baseball traveling. I don't know. Yeah, there's a couple of these things I could see. So yeah, the travel is a big one, right? Most generally college teams only play four games a week. They play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then maybe a game on like Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, their season is significantly shorter as well. You know, they only play like, you know, March through June. Um, so that makes a difference as well. But um, yeah, the money is another reason for sure. So reportedly his salary with the Twins was in the neighborhood of $400,000 a year. What I'm hearing is that his total compensation package from LSU will be closer to like $750,000. Um, which I find it weird that major league teams are getting outpaid for coaches by college teams. Um, I just find that a little bit strange, but I, I'm hearing that's not uncommon. It's not what they're paying Wes Johnson at LSU is not um, way over the top for what an SEC pitching coach gets paid, apparently. I don't know how they have, I guess, SEC football money flows into baseball too. Yeah, you would think um, that. Uh college baseball would have a lot less money to throw around than literally the MLB. So it seems odd that those contracts are so out of alignment. Yeah, well, so my what I heard is the the base salary from LSU is only in the 3 to $350,000 range, but then there's some booster money, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that brings it up to like 750,000 is what I'm hearing. So it's not all directly from the university. But still, that's a lot of money for, co for yeah, a college pitching coach. Um, yeah, so I was very Apparently, no one really in the organization knew anything about this until it was announced. Literally, he was on the chartered flight from Minneapolis to Cleveland when the news broke, and like some players got it like via text, and were like, "Yo, coach, what's up with this?" Imagine that being an awkward flight. That sitting does there sound uncomfortable. Cards. Yeah, you're just sitting there Ooh. playing cards, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, coach, you're leaving? What's up with that? So I think this is a, a big loss for the Twins. Um, he's, um, you know, some of the, the beat writers did um, some surveys of um, some of the scouts, and one other American League scout said that Wes Johnson was one of the most important uh, important players but, sorry, important members of the organization. So, I yeah, this is just very baffling to me. It's not something you see. It's not something I expected. 
I was baffled when I saw that. I, I saw the news about 7, 30, 7 o'clock, 7.30 last, on Sunday night. It was very confusing. I'm sure more details might come out over the next couple of days. But to me, the travel would be the big thing. If you will pay me similar amounts of money to do less work, I, I would do it, I guess. But it's just the timing is what's weird to me. The middle of a season, and it's not like the Twins are bad either. The Twins are leading the AL Central. So it's not like I they're just a feel bad like- team. Unless you're like Nick Saban or Bill Self, like I feel like the goal is to get to the top. Like I want to be working with professionals, and at least uh, I would think you take a little bit of maybe maybe not a pay cut, but if the salaries were the same, I think it's worth it playing with the best guys in the sport to maybe have to travel a little bit more in my mind. But I've never had to do it, so I could be wrong. Yeah, to me, the grind of a baseball season though is would be more than other sports it's longer it's it's hard there's more travel you you play what like 65 games total if you win the college world series something like that yeah in college versus yeah yeah it's right and even like in football the season might be about the same length but even when you road games you're home you know monday through thursday of every week you know you're still working of course but you're you're at home Right. Whereas you can spend two weeks on the road in baseball and you do that, you know, four times a year and have other smaller road trips. There's a lot more travel in baseball than than other sports. But yeah, I was just just surprised by that. Um, Other notes around Major League Baseball, all-star voting is well underway. So if you are the kind of person who likes to do that, I recommend you do. Um, The all-star break is coming up here in about three weeks. Um, so you should do that um, if you're going to do that. I I won't get into my rant about all star voting anyway. End of that. Um, other notes around Major League Baseball: the Yankees are good. Um, what else? Who else has notes around Major League Baseball? Uh, the nope. Mets somehow keep winning besides dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Well, um, they're still the third best team in baseball. Yeah. So. Second uh, team in baseball. Excuse me. Big fight this weekend. Yes, between, uh, between Seattle the and Mariners and the Angels. Uh, yeah. Anthony Rendon got off an, a little bit of a nice uh, open-handed left-hand punch. Only the second greatest thing he's done left-handed in baseball this season um, since he hit a left-handed home run this year. For all of our He's listeners. not a switch he, hitter, he bats, by the way. He yeah. bats righty full yeah. time. Uh, so that was fun. Um, yeah, I was surprised it, by it that. It took a long time to get them to clear off. There was like a 27-minute hiatus in that game. I saw that you know headline. I rolled my eyes. I'm like, oh, bench is clear. Here we go. A bunch of grown men who stand next to each other and yell for a second, and then we leave. That's to be the dumbest thing in sports. There's nothing oh, lamer than it. a bench clear. I oh, love these dudes running out no. from the they're warm up from pitching. They yes. slowly hop out and they do their little morning jog to get their newspaper from their mailbox. And then by the time they get there, it's all done anyway. Why? Why? I why not just guys. why not just let the batter and the pitcher you drop your glove, I'll drop my batting gloves, and you punch each other in the face like hockey, and then we're done instead of doing the other way. I'd rather see that. A la Hunter Strickland and Bryce Harper? Yes. Although the rest of the teams joined in there. If we're punching, we can punch, but I don't like just the milling about and being like, do you know what we're out here for? No, I'm not really sure. Everybody ran out, though, so I wanted to be out here as well. Seeing a bench-clearing brawl in person is on my baseball bucket list. I've never seen one live in person. Make it happen, list. Mike. Next next game you're at, see what you can do. See if I can incite a bench-clearing brawl somehow? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's happened. It's happened. I might get arrested, but it's happened. If you get arrested for inciting a bench-clearing brawl at an MLB game, the three of us will bail you out. I'm committing us all to that. Absolutely. All right. I will hold you guys to that. I'll get I'm back to you in a couple weeks. I'll get back to you in a couple weeks. Get us some good yeah. press. That's for sure. That would get us some good press. Yeah, or no, bad press. no publicity is bad publicity. No publicity is bad publicity. Exactly. And that's the kind we have now. No publicity. Exactly. Exactly. We'll just have to make sure to print you off one of those the 8311 cast shirts for you to wear as you incite. Yeah, exactly. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. As I get arrested. Exactly. I'm on board. I am too. I'm on board. Any other notes on Major League Baseball? Hearing none, Ariane, over to you to talk about the end of the NBA season. What, what has yeah. happened since so we last talked? The NBA season officially ended with the Warriors beating the Celtics in Game 6 of the NBA Finals uh, to win it 4-2-2. They won their fourth championship in eight years, uh, pretty firmly cementing the Warriors as a dynasty, I would say. Stephen Curry won his first Finals MVP to quiet that talking point some people have. I won't get too into the details. We could a little bit if we had been here while it was happening but we got other stuff to cover just know that it was a good finals it was fun to watch back and forth even though there were no super close games this was kind of a defense first finals for all of the criticism the nba gets for being an offense only league we really got to showcase some of the best defenses that we especially had this year but had in the past five years easily um i think i was checking the numbers and a team Teams scored under 100 more times than they scored over 110 in this series. So that just kind of shows you how locked down it was. And I think the Celtics scored under 103 times in the series, which kind of shows why they lost. But really fun series. I really enjoyed it. Uh, They weren't the most competitive playoffs, so it was nice to get some games that were actually enjoyable at the end. Congratulations to the Warriors and uh, congratulations to the Celtics as well. They had a great season. Uh, They really switched it up from the end of the year to the beginning, and they were a good success story, even if they're probably feeling a little bummed right now. After, very shortly after, the season is very compressed for the NBA, it feels like. We then did the draft. That happened, uh, what, Thursday night? Yeah, last Thursday. Yeah. And the top three, a little bit of surprise. We were expecting Jabari to go number one. That's what you heard all the way up and literally that night. And then the Magic selected Paolo Bancaro number one. And then Chet Holmgren went to the Thunder at number two as expected. And then Jabari to the Rockets at three. Um, nothing too crazy. A couple guys were picked a little higher, a little lower. There were no crazy reaches or anything to really talk about there. No Cyclones got drafted, as we kind of expected. But we'll, uh, we'll hitch our wagon to Kyle's second alma mater and say uh, Jaden Ivey got drafted from Purdue. Uh, He went to the Pistons at number five. So that's the closest we're getting to uh, somebody from our college being drafted. Isaiah Brown. Pretty high high draft pick at that. Yes. People were really excited. Uh, Actually, a lot of people were expecting him to go number four. He was widely considered generally the fourth best prospect in the draft. However, the Kings did not take him because he wouldn't be a great fit for uh, playing next to De'Aaron Fox. So they took Keegan Murray out of Iowa. So the Pistons were happy to end up with Jaden Ivey. Yeah, and that Pistons team has got a lot of a lot of length in their uh, Pistons could be now. good in a hurry, with, honestly. With Cade Cunningham being like six six, I think, and Jaden Ivey's I a big believe guy. is six five, tall and lanky, can really got a lot of got a big burst to him for sure. Yeah, I'm not saying that the, the Pistons are going to be good this year. I don't think they will be, but I think within. Under five years, I think that all of a sudden we'll be looking at this team with a bunch of new guys, young guys on it who are improving, and they're, they're going to be a fun team to watch. I think there are quite a few of those around the league. Um, Isaiah Brockington uh, did sign what's called an Exhibit 10 contract. I've never heard that term before. It may be new, I'm not sure. But he signed that with the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, an Exhibit 10 deal is a minimum salary one-year contract. It does not count against the cap unless Isaiah makes the regular season roster, which if you're somewhat familiar with the roster of the New Orleans Pelicans, they have a lot of young guys already, a lot of talented guys. I would not anticipate him making that regular season roster unless they have a ton of injuries. Um, Isaiah, really good player for us in college. Obviously, we all got to see that. His play style just doesn't make a lot of sense for an NBA team because they don't generally need an undersized guy playing hero ball when they have bigger guys and bigger athletes unless he has a secondary skill set which i guess you could argue rebounding sometimes i don't see a clear path for minutes for him on that roster so we'll see if he ever gets any nba minutes but he made it to the next level in some aspect and i'm sure he's gonna enjoy what he can get and play when he can so good luck to him for sure um just a couple trades yeah well before we get into that uh, along the draft uh 
I guess, theme here was, I guess, the surprise and maybe frustration that may, that some Cyclones fans might have felt if they were following the draft where A.J. Green uh, oh, yeah, was I rumored to either bet- be between Iowa State, Duke, or the NBA draft. Um, he decided to stay in the draft at, at that deadline. I believe the June 2nd deadline is what it was, 2nd or 5th, somewhere in there. Uh, going undrafted, a little bit of a surprise. Now, he did sign a two-way deal, which is different uh, than, I, obviously, Isaiah Brockington's Exhibit 10 contract. But I, I don't know. It just felt like maybe he got some different news earlier and it just didn't pan out. Or maybe he was like not as informed. I, I don't know. Had he known that he would have been undrafted, signing a two-way contract would he have stayed in college for another season to help improve that draft stock who knows yeah but who knows what next year's draft looks like too where maybe next year's draft is really deep and he might have been in the same position i don't know but yeah he'll be be an interesting thought he'll be playing with the wisconsin herd this year he signed a two-way contract with the bucks uh there is a former cyclone on that team i believe lindell wigginton is on that mm-hmm. team. So a little cyclone representation there as well. Anything else about the draft? Any questions, comments, concerns? Nope. Still think okay. it's stupid that you can't technically trade draft picks in the NBA. Yes, that is very it makes true. Makes for a very, very confusing draft day. It really does. It doesn't we don't need people holding on to hats that they never are gonna play for. It, it so it's the weirdly. Warriors the Warriors drafting a player who's no already knows that he's going to play for like the Indianapolis Pacers. Like Yeah. And then he just goes and puts on a Warriors hat anyway, and that's what his draft picture is now on the stage. It it's a little silly, and I don't know the reasons behind that. Maybe we can you do that for a, a stupid rules at some point and figure out what's yeah. going on there. You've either got to enforce it like Major League Baseball does, or you just gotta make it allowed. This where it's not technically allowed, but it happens all the time anyway, is just stupid. Yeah. That's most of the NBA free agent offseason rules, though. They just are like, don't do it. And then people are like, I'm going to do it. And they're like, nah, we could stop you. Have a fun time. Uh, we had a couple trades. There's always a bunch of rumor of big trades around the draft, and it never really happens. Um, the most noteworthy ones we had so far, the Blazers traded to get Jeremy Grant on their team. I won't go into any of these specifics on the trades. If you're curious, check it out. Um, the Mavs traded for Christian Wood. So a couple big guys moving teams. And then the Knicks did like a whole plethora of picks and this and that and future trades on draft day. And nobody really understood what was happening. I'd have to look at some type of flow chart to understand it, to be honest. Um, but other than that, nothing super, super noteworthy. Free agency for the NBA will start in short order. It is going to be Thursday, June 30th, and it will start at 5 p.m. Central Time. The biggest ones to watch really this year are Zach Levine of the Bulls, Jalen Brunson of the Mavericks, excuse me, and then DeAndre Ayton of the Suns. There are some different extensions, player options, and stuff that are going on too, but those are your biggest uh, free agents to be looking out for, see if they stay put or move for new teams. Kyrie, it was just reported for Kyrie Irving opted in to his $36.5 million player option after some weird drama over the last week. It was rumored he did not want to stay with the Nets. He gave them a list of teams that he could sign and trade and would be happy to go to. However, none of those teams had any cap space to really do it anyway, save for maybe like the Knicks. So then it was rumored that he might just opt out of his 36.5, I'll say that again, $36.5 million player option to take the mid-level tax exception on another team or a full taxpayer exception. So that would be between either a $6 million deal or a $10 million deal, I believe are those. So he would be giving up potentially $30 million just to go play on a different team after he and Kevin Durant are the ones who put the team together in the first place. So you heard all these rumors that Kyrie might be leaving and if Kyrie is leaving, KD wants to leave and all of a sudden within less than a calendar year, the Nets go from the big three of Kyrie, KD, and Harden to potentially nobody at all. But it looks like Kyrie has opted in. He's probably going to stay. Kevin is going to stay. So just a lot of drama, as always, as you expect with Kyrie. 
And then a name that I don't think I heard anybody mention during this whole thing. Hey, Ben Simmons plays for the Nets. I mean, he sh- he should play for the Nets. He hasn't played at all in over a year. Does he even want to play basketball? Nobody really knows. Um, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. He wants to get paid. I know that for sure. But theoretically, at some point, he will also play for the Nets. So uh, we'll see how that goes next year. That's pretty much everything I have for the NBA. Does anybody have anything? Mike, anything about the uh, the, the Wolves draft? I don't remember who they drafted specifically, to be I honest. I don't remember who they drafted either. That's how much I I'm paid sure, attention. I'm sure it was really good. There I'm were sure some rumors. Just missed the playoffs next year anyway. So. <laughs> there were some rumors before the draft that they were going to trade their draft pick and a couple things to link up with a center, which I thought was interesting, like a Go Bear or a Capella, to basically put him down low, and then Cat uh, would play the biggest power forward ever. Yeah, my sources told me thing. that they weren't really in on Go Bear whatsoever. I heard. They were not in on Capella and whatever they were asking for Gobert, no one was giving for Gobert. So I just thought it was an interesting avenue to approach. We're just like going to play a seven foot power forward next to a traditional center, which is interesting. We'll I see mean, what they do there. Towns has always sort of been an inside out or an outside in big man. An outside outside big man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's more accurate. Yeah. But. All right, yep. uh, that's that's everything I got. We're full off season now for the NBA, and we'll see where it takes us from there. Uh, we'll move on from one championship winning team to another championship winning team in the NHL. Mike, tell us about it. Yeah, in the NHL, um, the Avalanche ended up beating the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup Finals, um, four games to two. Um, I thought the Avalanche would the I felt like they were the best team pretty much all year, um, and they ended up uh, winning the cup. There definitely was um, plenty of controversy here in um, in the Stanley Cup Finals, specifically um, in Game Four that the Avalanche won three games to two, um, or sorry, three goals to two um, in overtime. Um, it looked like um, on the sequence that led to the game-winning goal. Colorado should have been called for a too many men on the ice penalty, um, but that call was not made, and they ended up scoring the goal um, a few seconds later to win that game. Um, so there de- certainly was um, controversy. We were not without controversy in um, in the Stanley Cup Finals, but in the end, the Avalanche were the better team in, in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, no right, they question. Won. Yeah. Uh so I don't I don't watch a ton of hockey or really any hockey, to be honest with you. One coach was obviously livid because his team lost. The other coach hand waved it and acted like that happens all the time. Does it happen all the time? It feels like with line shifts, I could see you sometimes having a, like a second of extra guy on the ice or whatever. H- how common is that really? So you, if my understanding of the rules correct, and I'm not um, as familiar with hockey rules as I am um, baseball and football. Um, but my understanding is that you can have extra men um, on the ice, but you can't be pl- nobody on your team can be playing the puck um, when um, when you have the extra men on the ice. Um, basically, is is the rule. So you are allowed. You know, you don't have to have everybody. The player doesn't have to be off before the next guy comes on, but you can't be playing the puck. Um, at the given time is is my one, and yes, it does happen where it's it's not called sometimes in close um, situations like that. Um, yeah, the actual definition I did look it up here um, is that at um, the official rule um, is that players may be changed at any time during the play from the player's bench, provided that the players leaving the ice are within five feet of the vent bench and out of the play before the change is made. There's all, and then, so Primus's substitution is that at the discretion of the officials, should a substituting player come onto the ice before his teammate within the five-foot limit of the bench, then a minor penalty will be called. Um, so, But it was not reviewable, so they couldn't do correct. anything that they it missed is, it. It is not a reviewable play. So... That that's essentially the play there. Um, 
So there is some judgment in there because, you know, it's the judgment of the officials, um, whether or not, you know, someone was in the play when there was too many men on the ice, etc. So there is some, some subjectivity in there. But obviously, uh, yes, Tampa Bay was upset about that one. Um, and then there was a little bit of controversy at the very end of game um, six as well. Um, Colorado, with a 2-1 lead with about 45 seconds left, took a shot down at the empty net, um, but missed, which would normally have been called icing. Um, but the linesman ruled that um, the Tampa Bay player did not sufficiently hustle down to get the puck, and if he would have, could have played it before it crossed um, the end line, in which case it wouldn't have been icing, so they waved off the icing call. And Tampa Bay was um, very unhappy about that. And I need to go back and watch this, but I almost feel like um, one of the Tampa Bay players gave a cross-check to the linesman who made that call near the end of that game too. So if that's the case, that's not good, and he should be suspended for that. Um, So I need to go back and watch that video again. But it definitely looked like he gave a a little shove to the official after that, which is completely unacceptable. Um, you can you can disagree with an official's call. I'm I'm fine with that, um, but you cannot cannot touch an official like that. Again, I'll watch the video, but that's what it looked like um, to me, and I was not very happy about that. But yeah, Colorado won their first Stanley Cup in quite a while. They've been they've been one of the best teams in the NHL for quite a few years now. Um, so in that aspect, it was good to see them finally win one. They haven't had much playoff success, a lot like Toronto. Um, as well, not having much playoff success. But, um, yeah, good for Colorado for, for winning that and getting it done. They only lost four games the entire playoffs, right? Yes, they were pretty dominant. Um, yeah, just two in dominant. the finals and two to the Blues. Other than that, they rolled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were they were a dominant team here. So, yeah. Any other questions about the NHL? Sounds like we're good. Moving right along to Mike's stupid rules, I'm going to talk about something. I know we've talked about this before, but it comes up every year and people ask me about it um, semi-regularly, so I want to talk about this again. And this is going to be um, obstruction called on a fielder. Um, So the play we're specifically going to look at is a play from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Maybe not even a couple weeks ago. Uh, About two weeks ago, yeah. Um, in a game between, I believe it was Cleveland and Oakland, um, where essentially what we see um, is that um, the Cleveland base runner stole second base, and as the catcher tried to throw him out, um, the throw went over the, the fielder's head into center field, and the fielder sort of fell onto the base runner, um, which... Um, prohibited the base runner from then potentially getting up and advancing to third. And you saw the runner try to get up and start running and fall over and ended up going back to second base. Now you saw the umpire, if you watch this clip, you see the umpire point at the the fielder as soon as, as that contact is made. So he pointed at him um, and he said, um, right to, and pointing at them right there is the indication of obstruction. Now, so this, in that case, it is type two obstruction, meaning a play was not being made on any player when the um, obstruction occurred, which means it is not immediately a dead ball. Play gets to continue. So play continued, and then once the play is over, the umpires, the, the rule says the umpires use their judgment to nullify the obstruction. Right, they they judge to nullify the obstruction. So notice that they don't say they automatically award runners certain number of bases. They go to nullify the obstruction. They use their judgment to say if that obstruction wouldn't have happened, here is where the runners would be. So in this case, the center fielder was charging in pretty hard as soon as he um, as soon as the throw was made. So he picked up the ball a second or two. After after it went over the second baseman's head. So the umpires judged that either the runner would not have gone to third base or he would have been out had he tried, and they left him at second base. They did not give him the base. 
Terry Francona got quite upset about this and ended up getting ejected, but that is the correct interpretation of the rules. You are not automatically awarded the next base. The obstruction, they, they, they make the play to nullify the obstruction, um, which in that case, the judgment was that he wouldn't have advanced, so he, he doesn't go anywhere. Um, now, type, there is, of course, I said this was type 2 obstruction. There is type 1, and that's when a play is actively being made when the obstruction occurs. At that time, it is a dead ball, and then um, the obstruction has to be nullified by giving players bases. So this only applies to type 2 obstruction, where no play is actively being made when the obstruction occurs. Any questions on that? No, I don't think so. Yeah, so you don't automatically get the base just because the fielder tackles you. Also, I don't recommend tackling runners if you're fielders, but, I mean, sometimes it doesn't hurt. So, there you go. Moving along to accountability session, getting the first predictions off the board for, is this our fifth, write that down, season, I believe? I, I gotta look at this. Is this our fifth season? This will be our fifth write that down season. So wow. our first predictions off the board from the fifth write-that-down prediction season. Um, the first one off the board is a prediction from Kyle, who predicted that Scotty Scheffler, is that how you pronounce it, Kyle? Yep, yep, that's he, it. Kyle predicted that uh, Scotty Scheffler would win at least three out of the four majors. Um, he won the first one but did not win either of the next two. So um, can't win three out of four if you've already lost two. So, nah. Nah. <laughs> Ariane predicted that Chet Holmgren would go number one in the NBA draft, but as we heard, um, it was not. It was uh, Palo, so for that, Ariane gets a nah. Nah. I predicted that the NBA Finals would not go seven games, as Ariane told you it ended in six games, so I get a ding-ding-ding-ding. I predicted it was going to be Warriors in six, so can I get like a... on. Another one? Can I get it? Can I get one right? No, you you just get an honorary. Um, yeah, man. you did not tell us to write that down. You are I was allowed. Hoping we could put it down afterwards. Yeah. So you are allowed to make. I don't know if I'm explaining this rule. You are allowed to make multiple predictions if you want. Oh. But a, just a generic prediction that you make is not doesn't go on the list unless you specifically tell us to put it on the list. Like I've made, I've made predictions at halftime of Iowa State football games. Yes, you can. We you should can do a. You we can should text do a rules refresh. Tweet it. Yeah, Wyatt. After I finish the accountability session, will you do a rules refresh for us? Yeah, at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, and then the last one to come off the board was from Ariane. He predicted the Warriors and Celtics would split the two games in Boston. They did that. They each won a game. So if that iron gets a ding, 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 ding. All right. So then before I dive in with my prediction, um, Wyatt, can you give Ariane the uh, requested rules refresh? So the rules on what we can and can't predict, right? Rules on what we can and can't predict. Rules on when, what predictions, when we can and can't make predictions. Any so other questions? Kinda, yeah. How you we'll determine kinda, the winner? All that good stuff. Just the basics. We, we can rattle them off. Well, actually, we're, we are running kind of short on time. What if we codify this in the next episode? Yeah, we can do it prior next time. to our predictions. All segment. right, we will. We will talk about it in our pre-show meeting, um, and potentially make rules changes as we need them, like we did last year, adding the strikeout. Um, so we'll 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 talk about this offline, and we'll get back to all our listeners next week um, with a rules refresh. Um, so my prediction I'm going to put on the board is um, an MLB prediction. I'm going to predict that the Orioles finish ahead of the White Sox in the standings. Orioles over the White Sox in the standings. I was inspired by um, the Orioles taking two out of three from the White Sox this weekend to make this prediction. Is it, is, is it still too early to look at the standings, Mike? No, it's after Memorial Day. You're allowed to look at the standings after Memorial Day. The, uh, the Orioles are only a game and a half behind the White Sox. Wow. Yeah, but are the Orioles that good? Are the White Sox not the White that Sox bad? Good? Yeah. Yeah. Because they've been pretty bad to start the year. Uh... Let's see. So here's, a, here's something. The Baltimore, I mean, they're a game and a half apart, but 
Baltimore's run differential is negative 25. Chicago's is negative 51, which is pretty bad. Really bad. Less runs scored. I just think think that the Orioles are going to be sellers at the trade deadline, right? And if the White Sox are buyers, then this bodes better for Mike in terms of more bases. But if the Orioles don't sell... I don't know why they wouldn't since they're I don't know in the last why they place wouldn't. in a division with four teams above 500 and the Yankees. Uh, yeah. So Fangraphs projects the Orioles at 70 wins and the White Sox at 83 wins. 538 is similar, projects the White Sox at 84 wins and the Orioles at 70 wins. So highly unlikely. Triple? I would think so. Triple? That's fine. That seems legit. Sure. I'll take that. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Still alive, still doing good, um, but he does not have a prediction this week. He is going to take the strikeout to open the season. All right. I'll go ahead and put my prediction up on the board and say that Dan Alpina winds up, winds up on the podium this year. Um, Alpina, which is the French pronunciation of a French car brand who is also a constructor in F1. Um, will have a podium finish at some point in time this year. That's going to be one of either Esteban Ocon or two-time world champion Fernando Alonso. I I think this is a single. I agree. What? Because, so, Alpine has had four races this year where both drivers have finished in the top ten. Uh, the highest finish so far on the season was six. The highest podium grid, or sorry, the highest grid start was this past weekend with Fernando Fernando Alonso uh, starting in second place. So, I mean, I think Alpine has a good car. I just think that they've had some bad luck. Uh, they, I think I that something is going to happen. I I think something's going to happen similar to Pierre Gasly winning last year in Azerbaijan. That like, could be. Like getting on the podium in Azerbaijan, I should say. I think it's a single unless you can argue me off of it. I mean, there's not a whole lot of stats. I just don't think that they're like the, the only scenario I can think of where this happens is if there's a whole bunch of DNFs. I mean, Akon and Alonso are obviously both. Or it's a wet really race drivers. again where Fernando Alonso oh. is really good in the wet. He just goes beast mode. I just don't think their car can really keep up with any of the three top of the pack constructors at this point. I don't think I have enough to talk you out of a single. I, I don't mean, think so either. I was between a single and a double. I think it's a single. All right, single it is then. Single it is. What do you got, Kyle? Uh, so I'm going to predict that Mercedes wins this weekend at Silverstone. So you it think, is a home race for George yeah, Russell, think, Lewis Hamilton. You think the, the Brits are going to carry it on the home turf? I, th- I, think, the, I think the Brits are going to be waving the British flag at the end of the race. Uh, so for reference, for the entire, the, the, the whole cast here, um, highest... Uh, finish this year for Mercedes for either driver is third place. So uh, they've been on the podium. George has been in third three times uh, with Lewis having two podiums, uh, one this past weekend in Canada um, and one to start the season in Bahrain. I mean, it could be, uh, you know, we're, we're in the point in the season where the Mercedes car is supposed to be getting good. Well, I guess that was a couple races ago, but we're still in that, you know, area where Mercedes is supposed to be getting their stuff together. Uh, it certainly could happen at the British Grand Prix. Maybe. Um, single? Double? I don't know. Not, what do we think? Not a here? single. Not double? A single. Maybe a double? I don't think it's a triple. Do you have any reason to think it's a triple, Kyle? No, I was aiming at a double here. Yeah, that's kind of what I zeroed in I, I was eyeing that gap between between uh, right and center. You know, that eyeing that gap out there for uh, a nice yeah, little yeah. double. I uh I, I think a double's warranted, yeah. Sounds good. Double it is. You got Aryan. Aryan. Uh, my prediction uh, is that multiple St. Louis Cardinals will make the MLB All Star Game. Just make it or be starters. Oh, sorry. Yes, be starters. Okay, that's a very yeah, different. Yeah, my prediction. fault. My fault. Vastly different. <laughs> be starters in the MLB All Star Game. Let me look at the All Star fan voting update that came out today. I didn't even look at it. I just put a vote in. 
not the NASCAR one, the MLB one, please. That what do I get if right. I say St. Louis Cardinals make the the NASCAR All Star game? Uh, you Is would it a get game a race. Run. What do you do? You would get, get a home, home run, run and an automatic wrong. <laughs> so currently in the National League, um, Yadier Molina is third, but a pretty distant third at catcher. As he should be at best. Um, let's see. Goldschmidt has a pretty sizable lead at first. I figured that one was pretty locked in. Yeah. Uh, buried at second. I haven't even heard of their second baseman. Uh, Who is Machado that? Is that Ami Edmund? Uh, Nolan Oh, Nolan Gorman. Yeah. He's played really well this year. Machado has a decent lead over Arenado, but now um, Machado is currently hurt. So if Machado wins the fan vote but can't play and Arenado ends up starting, mm. to get this prediction right or wrong? I think Machado I think will be back starts, at that point. But... counts. Arenado okay. is who I was banking I on for say... my second one. I would say that would count. Okay, so it's who actually starts the game, not necessarily wins the fan vote. Cool. Um, let's see. Edelman is buried deep on the shortstop chart. Pujols is buried deep on the DH chart. Though Bryce Harper, who's leading, is hurt and will miss the All-Star game. Um, no outfielders really in contention. So, boy, what are we thinking here? Basically, it comes down to whether or not you think um, Machado will be healthy, it seems like. Which he should be, based on the last thing that I heard. We think in double? There's enough time for some voting to swing around, too. I think it's not so locked in yet. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a single, if that's what you're trying to get at. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I'd give it more double. than a double, I don't think. I would say double. Comfortable oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fine with that. Alright, let's do it. Alright. Two singles, with one of those being a strikeout. Two doubles and a triple. That concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 179 of the 8311 cast. Appreciate y'all sticking around and tuning in after a two-week hiatus. Until next week, signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones!